Chapter Nineteen of Hagar's Daughter: A Story of Southern Caste Prejudice. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Hagar's Daughter: A Story of Southern Caste Prejudice by Pauline Hopkins. Chapter Nineteen. The last of March came, but winter still lingered in the lap of spring. Jewel's couch was drawn up before the blazing fire. The parlor was snug and comfortable, just cozy enough for a semi-invalid. The room was half-panelled with oak, and the furniture was of the same material covered with bright silk and embroidered cushions. Jewel was not well, and had excused herself from attendance at the President's reception. Her mother had ensconced her in the small reception parlor, promising to return early, and bidding her doze away the time until then. She was not asleep. Her eyes were open and fixed upon the fire. They were filled with intense pain, and her hands were clenched, while now and then a shiver ran through her frame, as she turned restlessly from side to side. She sought solitude that evening, and yet the sound of Sam's voice in the hall admitting a visitor, whose tones betrayed General Benson, was not distasteful to her. He was very much at home now, and drew a low chair round between her and the fire, after bidding her good evening, took his place there, and gazed steadfastly into her face a few moments without speaking. "'Of what are you thinking?' he asked gently. "'I am thinking what a horrible thing it is that we women are always loving the wrong men, worthless, heartless men who cannot appreciate, even in a small degree, the love we waste upon them.' He took one of her hands in his. "'Look at me,' he said. "'You are very young. You will get over this happening, this episode in the life of every young girl. Don't start. How can anyone who cares for you help knowing that you have suffered through loving the wrong man? But time is a great healer. Now don't try to free your hand. It must belong to me some day, so why not let it rest in mine now?' She shivered as she turned from him. "'You don't understand,' she said, speaking very low. "'My heart is dead, or only so much alive that I can feel it ache. "'I can never love, never marry. "'I must go on living, expiating my willful blindness in being so reckless "'as to love a, a villain with all my heart and soul.' "'The tears rolled slowly down her face. "'Won't you let me try to comfort you?' he asked. "'She shook her head.' "'You cannot give me back the man I believed in,' she replied. Benson rose, frowning heavily. "'Can't I horsewhip him or do something to punish the scoundrel?' "'No, no!' "'You don't love him still?' "'No,' she answered. "'But I can never hate him. "'Don't let's talk about it any more,' she continued wearily. "'Dead loves are like dead people. "'Talking will not bring them back.' "'I will make you forget him some day.' he said, kissing her hand. "'I wish you could,' she replied with a sigh. Benson felt encouraged and determined to follow up his advantage. "'What has put you into this state?' he asked tenderly. "'Why are you not at the reception?' she laughed evasively. "'That is not answering my question,' he retorted. "'Either you need a doctor, or your distress of mind calls for an adviser.' "'Shall I hold your hand and see if I can mesmerize you into telling me all your thoughts?' he continued, half laughing. Jewel drew back in alarm. She raised herself on her arm and looked away from him into the fire. "'You have no right to question me, as you know.' 
"'Why won't you give me the right?' he asked earnestly. "'Look, Jewel, I love you and trust you so much, I am ready to take you on any terms. I should be glad and proud to marry you to-morrow, and wait for time to bring me love.' "'Why will you tease me?' she asked desperately. "'Be my friend without asking reward, but never hope to be anything else.' The girl was sitting now on the couch that had served her for a resting-place. She bowed her head, the long silken lashes lay on her cheeks. He still held her hand, and as he gazed down upon her face, so pale and sorrowing, his pulses throbbed with greater passion. "'Jewel, you are an angel. Be one to me. You have many years to live. You could not, would not pass them alone. Be merciful, then, to one who worships the ground you tread. I know my heart.' It is yours. None other can, shall ever share it, except my love and me, my darling. He was bending over her, his breath ruffled the soft rings of her hair. His feverish earnestness moved her. She felt a great pity for him. For the time she forgot her repugnance. He feels as I feel, she thought. What would she not have done for him in her compassion? Anything but what his lips pleaded for, that was impossible. "'I am so sorry, so very sorry,' she said, and the light of her eyes, even the touch of her fingers, confirmed her words. "'But you see, I have no love to give.' "'Jewel,' lightly he placed his arm about her, "'I give you my love. I ask, but in return, you. Let me have the right of loving you through life. I will be content, for I shall live in hope that my affection shall one day win yours. If you must think your whole first love given—' let me hold the second place in your heart is second love possible she asked most surely give me that i will be satisfied her lips moved a scent seemed to quiver on them when looking up she gazed directly into cuthbert sumner's eyes he had been waited upon to the room by sam and had stood there looking at them without being noticed so absorbed had they been in their conversation with a cry jewel staggered to her feet "'Jewel! Jewel, hear me!' cried Sumner in desperation. "'I pray you, before you part us forever, do not be rash. For God's sake, let me speak. Hear me!' She waved him back as he stepped toward her. General Benson was bewildered. His active mind comprehended instantly the peril of the moment, the frustration of his plans, if he hesitated an instant, and his ready wit saved him. It was the time for decisive action— with a swift movement he placed himself at Jewel's side, took her hand in his, and thus faced Sumner. "'Mr. Sumner, this intrusion is unwarrantable. Miss Bowen is my promised wife.' Cuthbert bowed his head, and turning, rushed from the room and from the house. End of chapter 19